Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us here for our time of the study of the Word of God. And uh, we want to continue with our study of the book of Matthew. And uh, I believe the Lord speaks to you as well because there's no limitation to the Word of God. As we study, we open our hearts and let God speak to us. And uh, we study the Bible here book by book, chapter by chapter. And we are handling the book of Matthew. And uh, today we want to continue with uh, uh, Matthew chapter 8. That is where we left off last time. And uh, we stopped at verse 8. Yeah. Sorry, at verse 4. When Jesus is... uh, healing the leper. And Matthew 8, 5 starts by saying, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him. And centurion comes to Jesus at this point, and he needs help. A centurion is a Gentile. Yeah, that is one thing we need to first get into into knowledge about. This is a Gentile who is coming to him. And he's a Roman officer. And uh, he centurions were people who would command up to a hundred soldiers. Remember, at this point in time, the people of um, Israel are under the Roman uh, care. Yeah, the Romans were the ones running the show. They are the ones in charge of Israel at this point. So, when he comes up as a centurion, there are lots of things he's letting aside. Hmm? First of all, his owners, because you you need to understand these Romans or these centurions were representation or a representation of the people who would we would call colonizers at that time for the the, the land of Israel. They uh, also worshipped yeah the divine emperor yeah the emperor of Israel of of uh, of of Rome yeah that is who they would worship. So. When a centurion comes, there's a lot that is at stake. There's a lot that he's letting go to come out and uh, express himself before Jesus. Yeah, And he comes imploring him and says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Now, when you get to uh, Luke chapter 7, this story is also told, but it's told in a different manner. Uh, Luke reports in a different way, and you shall find that uh, quite common as we go through these uh, Gospels. And for him, he says, after he had ended all his sayings, and in the ears of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick at the point of death. And when he heard concerning Jesus, he sent unto him elders of the Jews, asking him, that he would come and save his servant. So as far as Luke is concerned in his reporting, yeah, he reports that the centurion sent Jewish leaders to go 
and uh, see Jesus on his behalf. Yeah, But that doesn't matter. The context still remains the same. That by the time this man puts aside all his honors, all his badges, all his greatness, and approaches and decides to approach Christ, that is the humility that you're talking about. Yeah, That is the humility that we are looking to, looking uh, to have as believers. It doesn't matter whether he led a hundred soldiers. It doesn't matter whether he was the commander of them all. It doesn't matter whether the Roman emperor knew him. Because anyway, he did by the time he sent him there. It did not matter at that point. This man knew that there is a man in this place where we lead. There is a man in this jurisdiction that we have as Rome who heals the sick. There is a man here who is strong, who has power, whose authority is from God. Though we have a mandate to worship our emperor as a divine emperor, as the God, we also know, he also knew that there is a man called Jesus. A man with authority, a man with power, and he does not let his rank stop him. He says, I am going to go out to him and I'm going to ask him to help me. And that is one thing we need to know that it doesn't matter what rank you hold. It doesn't matter how great they praise you in your workplace, in your community, in your country. It doesn't matter how much glory you think is upon you and greatness, and all that you've achieved, you have to be humble. You have to put your titles aside when it comes to Christ. You have to look to Christ, and only Christ. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And sometimes we are, when we are worshipping, you'll find that when somebody feels that they are up on top, and they have all these ranks, then they they are not worthy to get out there and show their reverence to God. They are looking at everybody who's who's going to think that they've belittled themselves because of the rank they hold. No, that, that, that does not matter. When it's Jesus, you put your ranks aside. And that's what the centurion does. Yeah, And he says that my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Yeah, he's scared. He's going to die. And... When it comes to to the Romans and the leaders and the soldiers of Rome, this servant must be very key to the centurion. He must be very important to him. Because by the time he's coming out on his behalf that he lays down all his ranks to come and speak to Jesus, this servant must have been very key. And from what we know from history is that you would have to spend at least two decades without having a family, a close family, as a soldier of Rome, and uh, the, also to ensure that they used to move these soldiers from uh, place to place, give you different jurisdiction, because you are not su- supposed to have any commitment that is going to tie you to a place. Now, when it came to that principle that they would hold, you would find that a servant would be so close to a centurion, this centurion in particular, or to a soldier of Rome, because it's like their family. It's like all the family they have at that point. Yeah. So he is key to him. He is close to him. He is sick, and he wants this person to be well, because that's the closest, or probably one of the closest he has. But also, that also gives us another picture 
that you have to care for people, that you have to love people, irrespective of the position they are. These would be regarded as slaves to them. But still, he held that person in high regard. He knew that this is somebody who is important. And that's one thing we need to carry ourselves. You look at all people with equal respect, yeah, with care. You consider all people because they are important. And he says, Jesus says to him, I will come and heal him. There are some versions in interpretation which say, he said, shall I come and heal him? Like he posed the question to him. But here he says, I will come and heal him. I will come and heal him has a lot to go with it. It might imply I will come tomorrow. It might imply I will come in the evening. I will come when I'm done with this schedule. I will come and heal him. That's what Jesus is saying. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. He says, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. Whatever this life was that this man lived, he knew that it was not right for Christ to come under his roof. I don't know what will you find there. Yeah, you might come and find concubines there. You might come and find all all, all sorts of substances there. And you, I, my roof, you're not worthy to come under it. Secondly, Jesus is, as, as an Israelite, they had the, some things that were unclean to them. Probably he didn't want him to come and find that. Yeah, to be rendered unclean. Remember, he's, in the times that uh, the, the Pharisees are so keen and they observe everything. And Jesus is being told, no, 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 no. What is under my roof? You're not, I'm not worthy for you to come. Yeah. But this is the beauty of it all. That irrespective of how much this man knows that there are things that are not right under his roof, he's still acknowledges Christ. The problem is when we, we know that we are not worthy, but then we distance ourselves. When we know we are not worthy, but still push away because we feel that we do not need him. The centurion, irrespective of the fact that he knows that he's not worthy, he still knows there is a power. And he still even gets to the higher level of faith that says, you just say the word and my servant is going to be healed. Just say the word because as long as you speak the word, it will travel. Well, that's the amazing thing about the word of God, that it will move. The healing power of Christ moves. It's, it's not limited to positions. I might be here, and you might be thousands and thousands of miles away. But when the word of God comes, when the word is spoken, you can be healed. You can be set free. You might be longing for somebody to come and touch you, come to your house, come to you, that bed where you've been uh, told to stay and touch you so that you be well. But the word of God can come from wherever it is and you can be well. That's what the centurion knows and that's what the centurion says. He says, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Reason, I am also a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. 
So he's a man who knows authority. He's a man who says that I know when I send that it will be done because that's that's the the rule of the army. If the leader says something, you follow. It's done because he has authority that has been bestowed unto him from Rome. So that is what he says that do this and he does that as a centurion, as a leader. So he he knows the authority Jesus has is even higher than his. For him, as a centurion, his comes from Rome. For Christ, he is, is eternal. He is, is heavenly. He is, is the authority that created the heavens and the earth. He is the authority. When he speaks, it is done. He created everything by his word. And now, why won't the word travel and go to the centurion's house and heal this man? And that's what he believes in. He says, just say the word. Because when you say it, it will be done. And that's the power that we hold today as believers, as Christians. That is the power that we hold. That you have Jesus with you. That all you need is the name of Jesus and things will happen. When you have Jesus, you have everything. There is nothing. There is no power greater than the power of Jesus. There is no name greater than the name of Jesus. There is no authority greater than the authority of our Lord. That's why you need to move knowing that you have the greatest authority that ever exists. There are gods out there. There are shrines out there. There might be people who do all sorts of spiritual um, dynamics, but the dynamic that you hold, the one that is the Lord, is the greatest of them all and cannot be compared to anything. And this man knows the authority of Christ just by reference to his earthly physical authority as a Roman leader. He knows that if you say something, it will be done. That's what he gives to Jesus. He says, I know that when you say it, it will be done. If you say that he be healed, then he will be healed. That's all I want from you. Just say the word. And listen, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly, I said to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. He says, I have been here a while. I've walked here a while. I've been even with you disciples. Hmm? You who are even close to me, we've walked a while, but I have not found anyone with such faith in Israel. And he's saying this because this is from a Gentile, somebody who who you may not expect to have the faith. You know, sometimes there are people who don't appear to believe in God or who may appear to live a life that is not worthy and we will judge them in all sorts and in all manners. But then, after we've done all that, they come out with great faith. They will go and pray with great faith and God will work for them. And you'll wonder, how come this person who does not go to church like I do, when they pray, things happen? Great faith. Because it's faith that pleases God. And in this case, Jesus is pleased by the faith of this man. Because from the time he's walked with the people he's been with, with what they have seen him do, this guy was not, pro- probably he just used to hear about Jesus. 
Yeah. But these guys would walk with him. They see the people he's healing. They see the people that he's casting out demons. And he compares and says, none of you who've seen all this have faith equal to that man who I don't walk with, who I don't see. But because he knows about authority, he knows, you know, sometimes it's knowing the principles that govern the world, the things that govern the world, yeah, that then you're able to access some of these things. And Jesus says, I have not seen a man with such faith. I have not seen a man with such faith. And he says, I said to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. He comes, Jesus comes specifically for the Jews. He comes for that firstborn in consideration. But now he comes out and says, many are going to come from the east, from the west, and they will sit down on that table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your, your, your fathers, your patriarchs, you Israelites. Yeah? But the sons of the kingdom, and when he's talking the sons of the kingdom here, he's talking about the Jews themselves. He's talking about the Israelites themselves. They are the sons of the kingdom Yeah, that he's talking about here. Will be cast out into the outer darkness. He's saying, you who are the sons of the kingdom, you who are the, the ones that I came for specifically, yeah, you will be cast into the outer darkness, in that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. You will be cast into that eternal fire. You will be cast into that eternal punishment. Yet the people, the Gentiles, are the ones who are going to benefit. They will be the ones seated on the table. And how sad that is when the one that has been chosen, when you, the one who were to inherit, you've taken it for granted. And that's what we do. We take the grace of God for granted. And we just play easy with everything. We don't care really much about everything. We don't even care about how important the work of, of salvation is. Yeah, That we should be careful and walk with God and please him and do that which because of his grace that we do things and still it appears like God is still with you. You hate but you still worship and pray and minister. You lie but you still worship and minister. You're promiscuous but you still pray, worship, minister and the grace seems so abundant. But that day for you who's been chosen, for you who has uh, taken this time and tested the faith and tested the saving power of Christ the day comes when you've taken the grace for granted that you're cast into the outer darkness in a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth in a place where there is fear a place where there is punishment a place where things are not good because you took it for granted that's what these guys did they take Christ for granted because they know he's born here son of a carpenter it doesn't matter we know him, we've seen him grow, we saw him uh, play, we saw him go to school, we saw him, so he doesn't matter. And they take it for granted. And he says, you take it for granted, but people are going to come and take that away from you. We always ask ourselves questions like, okay, for example, these political heads and leaders, these people who've tortured people, who have made uh, others suffer, who have been the worst of leaders, when they die, 
on the day they die on their deathbed and they proclaim Christ and accept him, do they go to heaven? This is what, this is what it is here. That they will sit on the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those who you do not expect. Those for you, you will feel that you're the one worthy to have that. But you take the grace for granted. You play with, with, with the grace of God. And those who you do not qualify can qualify. And yet you who thought everything will be easy, you are left out. And he says to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. It shall be done for you as you have believed. Jesus tells the centurion, that which you have believed is what is going to be done. The things that you believe, even as you're praying, even as you're you're raising your faith. That which you believe is what will be done. If the centurion believed that, okay, I want the servant to at least get up and have just a bit less fever, that is what is going to happen. If he believed that I want him to get up and be well, then that is what is going to be. Because God gives what you believe. That's why it's key for us to watch what we believe in, to watch what we think about, to watch what how we consider ourselves and the bracket in which we take ourselves because that which you believe is where God comes out and rewards you in a similar manner in which you believe. If you believe good, then you will receive good. If you believe bad, then that is what you're calling unto yourself. We need to understand that our belief is key because it is the belief that you have that is the reward that Christ will give to you. He tells to him, it shall be done for you as you have believed. If you have believed that he's going to be well, then it's done. He's going to be well. He's going to be healed. And the servant was healed that very moment. Jesus didn't have to go there. That very exact moment, the servant was healed. The servant was set free that exact moment because that's what Christ does. He does not have to come there physically. The moment he sends it, his word, it is done. I don't know where you are, but somebody who is out there, you may be sick. May the healing hand of God come and touch you, that you may be well right now in the name of Jesus. Because his word does not have boundaries and barriers. When his word comes, it will reach you and you'll be well in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter where you are. If his word comes, you'll be well. This servant was far off from Jesus. He was far away from him, but he sent his word and he was healed. And today we send the word of God. We send the healing hand of God. We send the healing touch of God to everybody who is out there and you're sick. And you've been probably told that your time is done that you have a few months to live, may God come and touch you and heal you right now in the name of Jesus. May he heal you from that disease, from that cancer, from that pain. May he heal those emotions. Some of you may be suffering emotionally and there's some things that are not working out well. And may God come and touch you and make you well. You've been broken. Yeah, your heart has been broken. May his healing hand come and touch you and make you well because he's the God who heals. He's a God who sets free. He's a God 
who brings things to pass. And I pray that upon your life right now, wherever you are, may God touch you and make you well. Wherever you are, may God touch you and open up those pieces, patch you up together. Because that's what he does. He transcends borders. He goes beyond borders. He goes beyond borders. There is no limitation with him. And that very moment, the centurion's servant was healed. God is interested in the healing of everybody. If you believe in him, he will heal you. He didn't say, because you're a Gentile, then I won't heal you. No. Jesus was interested in everybody. And I want us to know right now, for everybody out there, that Jesus is interested in you. Jesus is interested in you. It doesn't matter which tribe you are, which nationality you are. It doesn't matter. He is interested in you. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. He is interested in you. And his word will come and heal you. As long as you believe in him, as long as you have faith in him, as long as you trust in him, he will come out and he will answer to your call. Just like that. He is healed. And I want us to raise faith. There are th- some things that you, you might have done in life and you feel like God, has, God does not consider me anymore. His grace is abundant. And I want you to know, I don't think there is so much that you could have done or that you have done that the centurion did not do. If anything, the Roman leaders and soldiers were some of the wicked you could find. There are some who did the most dubious of deals that you could find, but God still considered him. He didn't look at the life of the centurion. Remember, the man had even exempted himself, saying that, I am not worthy. Under my roof, you're not worthy to come. You might find prostitutes here. He could have been the worst, but by the grace of God, when the grace of God is abandoned, you will share in his goodness. When the grace of God is abandoned, you will share in that parcel of greatness and that is what it is. His grace is abandoned. So, whatever you've done, God still loves you and he considers you. You just need to turn and look to him and ask him to come into your situation and he'll heal you and he'll make you well and he'll sort out your business and he'll speak to you about that which you need to change even in that work that you do that all things may return for the better that's what Christ does he considers even those that are regarded the outcast he considered even those who regard themselves that they are not worthy and he did that may he do it for you as well father we thank you for your word we pray that your grace covers us that your mercy covers us that you help us and hold us dear and help heal somebody, touch somebody, somebody who has been longing for a touch, touch them from wherever they are and make them well because that's what you do and that's who you are. We exhort you, give you glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, bibleindepth.com.